There are certain skills, critical skills, that you need, that we all need, not only to get ahead in our lives, but also to ensure a successful path forward for our children and for the survival of our constitutional republic. You're listening to All About Skills, where we discuss the eight critical skills you need to succeed and how CEOs, placement directors, executive recruiters, and career-minded individuals utilize them to propel themselves to a higher level of understanding and achievement. Get ready to learn, master, and excel with your host, Charlie Jett. Thank you, Anne, and welcome to It's All About Skills. This is a series of programs where we discuss the critical skills and their application in the real world. My name is Charlie Jett, and we're coming to you from our studio in beautiful downtown Chicago. I'm an internationally certified coach specializing in career management, skill development, positive intelligence, and career crises. Well, we have two terrific guests today. Coaches Tom Anstead and Tom McCormick have a combined 92 years of coaching experience having developed winning programs in major high schools in the Chicagoland area. Together, they embody the qualities of coaches and teachers that constitute winning programs that not only provide victories, but lay solid foundations in the lives of their players. Late last year, Coach Anstett and Tom McCormick published a terrific book endorsed by many of the top collegiate coaches in the United States. This book is called Victory is in the Details building a basketball program. And as Duke University coach Mike Krzyzewski said, coaches at every level of our sport can learn from this book. They have articulated clearly about the attributes of building a highly successful program and more importantly, relay it to readers in a way that is practical and easy to understand. So welcome Coach Anstett and Coach McCormick, Coach Tom and Coach Mack, to It's All About Skills. Thanks, Charlie. Charlie, thank you. To start off with, um, I mentioned your book, Victory is in the Details, and it's an excellent guide for building and sustaining a successful basketball program at virtually any level. So let's focus on building a sustaining basketball program at the high school level. Uh, the first question would be, what will you describe as an outstanding basketball program at the high school level, aside from, of course, the favorable win-loss record? Well, I, speaking on, you know, in terms of the teaching end of it, I, I just believe that a, a good program relies on very good teaching skills, uh, skills that, you know, I think a good coach can use in the classroom that translate to the classroom as well as to the court and uh, I think it starts there. I, I think it starts with fundamentals. Uh, and, you know, Matt puts it really well when he says that a, if you can get a, start a program well, eventually the program becomes player driven rather than coach driven. And uh, once you get that, and that takes time to build a course, uh, I, I think players believe in the system and you can see it in their play at both ends of the floor. <clears throat> and they understand the commitment that goes into uh, building a very successful program. Mm -hmm. Mac, what do you think? Coach Mac? It goes well beyond wins and losses, Charlie. You know, in, in, this, in this profession uh, of coaching, um, 
sometimes you don't last very long if you don't win enough in some people's eyes. Uh, but especially at the high school level, which was Tom and I's expertise, um, it goes way beyond wins and losses. I mean, a good program is one that stands the test of time, uh, that prepares, in our case, the young men um, for what's going to come after basketball. And that's the true measure of success of the program um, is uh, not necessarily just the level of, the, the, of talent that the program is putting out, um, but the level of people that are ready to deal with what comes at them in life later on. Suppose you uh, took a survey of the players that you've coached over your career. Uh, what would you hope the top four or five skills that these players would say were the most important things they learned from participation in one of your programs? Well, we go into, and, and Tom could go into, you know, how we, how we set up the book. He does a great job of that. But one of the chapters of the book, and I would say just starting off, one of the, the, the biggest chapters of the book, and we, we'll talk about this in a little bit, uh, is resilience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, learning, just learning how to get up after you've been knocked down, because you're going to get knocked down. Um, and what is your reaction to not, letting, uh, to not letting you get what you want? What is your reaction to when you don't get what you want, I should say? Um, or what is your reaction when you do get what you want? Okay, um, and there's degrees. Do you get mostly what you want? Do you get partially what you want? Do you get totally what you want? Or do you not get what you want at all? And what do you do next? Uh, and how do you handle that? Because um, during the basketball season and certainly after the basketball season, there's gonna be things that you are going to have to bounce back from. Um, really interesting, the last team, basketball team to go undefeated I believe was the 1976 Indiana Hoosiers. Um, so every college basketball team since then has had to deal with losing <laughs> and then come back. And just look at the example that Virginia set, losing to a number 16 seed and then coming back the next year and winning the whole thing. So I would say one of the big things is um, is resilience. Mm -hmm. Tom? Yeah, I that certainly is. Every word that Max said is you know, certainly true. I. I had an old saying in class, I used to tell my kids in English, uh, pressure makes diamonds. I would ask them how, you know, how are diamonds made? And the scientists in class would tell me all about the scientific approach, you know, how, how a diamond is made, which I really wasn't all that interested in, but, you know, it was fine. And the, the key point, though, was pressure. And I think uh, when uh, players, as they grow each year, they learn how to deal with pressure a little bit better. And because I think when, when you have pressure, it means your life is significant. That you're, you're expected to do things uh, with uh, whatever role you are playing. And, you know, we certainly talk about role development uh, in the book. Um, so I, I think accepting criticism, uh, accepting praise, to go along with what Max said earlier, uh, I think those things are things that you can apply uh, as you face problems later in life, in your career, or what have you, in your family. Uh, and, you know, you help people uh, deal with those things. And by dealing with them, they become more mature and better citizens. Mm -hmm. 
Well, now both of you have been in the position of uh, starting uh, a new basketball program uh, at a high school and coming in from scratch. Uh, what would you say are the most important attributes or skills that you, you leaned on or you used uh, to build the successful basketball programs that you built? Well, I, I, you know, for me, it was number one was work ethic. <clears throat> uh, players need to see that you're invested in them through your example, your work ethic, your, your level of preparation, um, that you use time well, and that you're interested in them, not just as players, but as people. You're interested in them as students. You're interested in their personal lives as much as they want to tell you, of course. But um, I, I think those things uh, buy you credibility. And I think they, and I, and I think you need to teach your assistants how to do that as well, because you're not around the lower levels all the time being the head varsity coach. And, you know, the assistants should be some positive extension of what you represent as, as the head coach. Uh, so, to me, though, number one was work ethic. I wanted them to know that I was ready to go every day, uh, and there were no days off for me, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Coach Mack? Um, patience, plan, uh, and, and, of course, some expertise. Uh, with expertise in the field, probably being um, up there, but, but not as high as the other two. Um, at, at Conant High School, I was fortunate enough to step into a program that had won 11 games in the previous eight years total. Wow. And our first year, we started off as a whopping 0 and 24 with, with all young players. Um, so you had to take victories as you could get them in things other than, other than wins and losses uh, and, and other statistical categories that you could chart. But, but a lot of patience. Um, and the players have to have a feeling that we really stressed trying to use words like we and us, especially when things didn't go right, rather than you and I. I when things went, went well, went well, and you when things didn't go so well. Um, just little things like that. And then a plan, a vision. I mean, everybody's got to have a, a plan or a vision when they want to do great things or big things. So, um, and then like coach Ryan would say, plan your work and work your plan. Uh, and then you need some expertise. You need to know what you're doing, <laughs> obviously. Uh, so you need to have studied the game a little bit. And a lot of people think they know a lot about the game of basketball until they start to realize that it's a lot more than the X's and O's. It's a, it's a lot more about dealing with very, very different types of people and personalities and parents and everything else that goes into it. Uh, so Patience, plan, and a, and a level of expertise, I would say, would be three biggies. Yeah, and uh, Coach Tom mentioned uh, assistant coaches. So what, you know, when you think about assistant coaches, uh, what, what, what do you as, or what did you as a head coach look for when hiring an assistant coach? Well, sometimes you don't, you know, you have to take what you get. Like Tom says in the book, you know, you have to deal with the players who walk in the door, you know, and uh, no matter what their skill level. And sometimes assistants fall into that category as well because, you know, you're given guys from your AD or your administration saying, well, he wants to coach basketball. But 
getting to know that individual's love for the game is probably number one uh, and a willingness to keep learning. I, I just think a willingness to study the game. Are you going to spend the time necessary to develop your own skills as a coach? Uh, and can you uh, transfer or can you teach well? Those because a lot of assistants, I mean, uh, and they're you know in the last probably 10, 15, 20 years, a lot of coaches have to take guys that are either volunteers or. Uh, they don't have teaching credentials. They might be a parent who's very interested. Uh, it runs in a lot of gamuts, you know, with, uh, with assistance. But uh, whether the coach has a lot of playing experience or very, or very little or none, uh, you know, basically a love for the game, a willingness to keep learning, a willingness to listen, and share the philosophy of the head coach, I think are prime ingredients for a, a good assistant coach. Mm -hmm. Coach Mack, any other thoughts? If you can find somebody that has that burning desire to take on a program of his or her own at some point down the line, uh, that's a great person to try to have. You know, and unfortunately, you're going to have those people for a while. And if they are good, you're going to lose them. And then it's also your responsibility to try to do everything yeah. you can to help them reach their potential as a coach or to find a, that, that head coaching position that they want. So um, you work with a lot of different types. You get those types that have that burning desire that are, that are always there at everything, wanting to know more and more. And then you have others that are maybe good teachers, but not quite, that don't have that same burning desire. And you know, a good head coach has to find out if you have four or five coaches on your staff, well, where do I put this person? Where do I put that person? Uh, to best suit themselves, their own ambitions, and the programs. And then how do I help them move along? How do I help them when they when they demonstrated that they're ready to take on their own program? And that's the type of relationship Tom and I had um, uh, when I was Tom's assistant for all those years. I mean, he'd turn around and probably trip over me half the time because I was... <laughs> well, it's only because I wear size 15 shoes sometimes, you know? <laughs> Well, you know, you mentioned uh, Coach Mack, you started at Conant and, uh, with a record of 0-24, and, and uh, that was a new program and a new challenge for you. How would you, and also you, Coach Tom, describe the essential measurements that you considered to measure your uh, team's progress? Well, it, it's, it's over the course of time. Uh, you hit the ground running when you get a job, you roll up your sleeves, you get into the gym and you start to work with people. And then you realize it's going to take a lot longer than that. And um, really you're dealing with situations now where it's not a, it's not a, just a four or five month uh, program or job. It's, it's year round. And dealing with the fact that it's year round, not only you're dealing with basketball players in high school, uh, you'd be dealing with players who are playing other sports too. And sometimes basketball is their primary sport and sometimes it's not. And there's all sorts of things going on. So navigating that, trying to get, trying to get these pieces put together and how do you include the multiple sport athletes that are going to be a part of your program? And then what do you do for the athletes that are just gung-ho basketball players and really want more and more and more? And so you, you work on, on melding that together 
Uh, we came up with a whole off-season different type of program for multiple sport athletes and primarily basketball players. Uh, and then once it gets into the season, okay, now you start to build on, on all those parts that you've put together. But getting a level of commitment from all those different, all those different groups of, of, of kids um, is, is, is kind of a daunting task. Um, and, you know, sometimes you'll go into a, a coaching position and think, well, I'm just going to go in there and coach basketball. And it's not just all about coaching basketball. It's getting all those parts put together. And then, you know, sometimes you'll see the stud defensive end on the football team that has, doesn't really have much interest in basketball, hasn't played very much. But you definitely have a role for this player. Well, how do you mo motivate that player to be interested in, in your sport and that kind of thing? So, um those are the types of things that you're, you're dealing with. But getting back to your question, well, we started off with, uh, obviously we knew we weren't gonna, didn't have much going into that first year. We just built slowly and we took the victories where we could. We would set certain goals that we wanted to have a certain amount of rebounds in a game or force a certain amount of turnovers or deflections. And when we look at the statistics after the game, if we accomplished that, great. We didn't have to necessarily look at the one and lost column because there weren't any wins to look at for a while. But by year four, we were uh, we were in the uh, Sweet 16, uh, the large school tournament. You know, so it, it, it took us about four years in that situation. Some, most situations people walk into might not be quite as dire as that one was. Um, but uh, uh, it's also a great opportunity for somebody to come in and build something too. If you're not following somebody that's already had a real successful program, mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah, you add to that, Charlie. Uh, when you talk, you mentioned the word progress, and in our book we have uh, kind of three uh, levels, if you will, for progress. Uh, one's called execution regardless of outcome, uh, and when you look at that, you're relying on the system. You know, if it's fitting the talent uh, and the use of fundamentals so that there's continuity within the system. Another one is improvement regardless of outcome. So and that pertains to what Mac just talked about, that maybe you measure your improvement by certain statistics because you might be facing some teams in your conference that you know everything has to go right for you to stay within 10 points, you know, much less, much less win the game or have a chance to win the game. So you uh, and the team, you come up with uh, uh, criteria that's going to help measure progress against the teams. Hubie Brown once said uh, at a clinic, and then he reinforced it at a camp I was working at, that uh, you measure your team's progress against the eight best teams you play during the season. He says that's how you can really see if your team is coming along, if it's really gaining what you want them to do on the court. Uh, so that improvement, regardless of outcome, deals with pregame prep and postgame evaluation. Uh, that you really have to take the time to seriously evaluate what the goals were for the game. Did you accomplish them? If you did, great. If you, uh, what could we do better next time? And if we didn't, why not? And then the third uh, type of uh, progress is intensity and communication. They're harder to measure. And the one thing that Mac and I always agreed upon here, and we took when we went our separate ways, I know we took them to, Mac took him to Conan and I took them to a couple other schools was uh, uh, sometimes players think they're playing hard and they're not. 
uh, we tried to explain very clearly to everyone involved, players, parents, administrators, that as the head coach, we would evaluate effort. And some of those things could be measured, of course, but other things, you know, come through through the rigor of practice, daily practice, uh, going against the best teams, even how well you played against teams that might be your equal in talent. Uh, how much are level are, are players competing? How well, how hard do they compete? Which is, I think, another thing that kids can take from the programs we ran. Uh, that they know how to compete hard and uh, find ways to uh, measure their own success, no matter where they go after high school and college. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned earlier that uh, when you're hiring assistant coaches or picking an assistant coach, sometimes you have to take what you can get. And, you know, when beginning a total preparation for a season and given that at the high school level, at least, coaches must work with the talent that walks in the door and not they don't have the luxury of going out and recruiting like Duke University or Indiana and so forth. So explain the challenge or talk a little bit about the challenge about, about the talent that you're in, you inherit. Do the players have to fit into the system you have or do you have to mold the system to fit the players? Well, that's the... That's the chicken and the egg question right there. And, <laughs> um, and you've seen, we've seen programs do both. There have been certain programs where this is the way we're going to do it. And we're going to do it this way year after year after year. Um, and even though Tom and I have both had certain things that we've, we've certainly had a preference for, man, for hard, solid man-to-man -man defense and offense that included a lot of movement and screening um, uh, I, I think we both had the belief and we got this from, uh, from, uh, a fellow by the name of Bill Schaefer, who was a mentor to both of us, that, uh, the game itself is kind of a smorgasbord. <laughs> There's a lot to pick and choose from there. Uh, you know, and you can put together a pretty good platter by, you know, when you, when you pick and choose some different things. So I, I think both of us would lean a little bit more towards the thing of since we couldn't recruit, um, this is what we got. So we're going to have to make some adjustments to the level of talent. And we certainly over the years, we played man to man defense. We played zone defense. We've played five man motion type offenses. We played with three out two in and four out and one in. And, and um, quite frankly, I, I know that's, that's kind of kept me young, <laughs> not doing the same thing year after year after year and this is what we got it's really exciting to come in with a new team every year and even though you're going to you're going to have some basics that you really rely on say all right this year we're going to try that that's the really that's the really fun part about it that's what all the fans see they think that's all it is all the time and it's not, yeah. <laughs> it's not. but for coaches that you know that really love to compete and create something that's the real fun part of the game just that picking and choosing from all the from all the variety of things that you have out there mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think to echo on what Tom said, you know, when coaches change the system to fit the players, which I think happens most of the time, uh, especially in high school, uh, the it keeps coaches learning. You know, uh, there was a while when uh, I went to a one-two-two, and I was a, basically a man-to-man -man coach, and 
I went to 122. I learned it. Uh, when I went to Lincoln Way as an assistant, uh, we used it and Rich Kalinas let me teach it to the, to the program. Uh, and it became a very good defense for uh, a few years because we had the players to play it. You know, for example, in the one, two, two, you like a, a quick agile athletic guy who's got a big motor uh, playing the point on that. And uh, for a few years in a row, we had players like that who enjoyed it and really wanted to play it. And we got a lot out of it. And after a while, we didn't have that chaser anymore. We kind of, you know, moved away from it uh, and went to some other things. So uh, it's, it, is, it is a challenge for coaches, but I also think it's a very healthy one for a coach's intellect and self-motivation. And that comes into preparation as well. I don't know if I could just kind of piggyback on that. That kind of starts right away. The season ends in March. Uh, and then right away at the end of March, early April, you get together with your staff and say, all right, this is what we got coming back. And then you start to plan the off season and when you're going to start to get installed and what type of personnel you're going to have. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you just go right from one season to the next. It is not a, even for high school coaches, it is not a uh, just four or five month year, a month, a year deal. It's, it's year round. Yeah. yeah. And not only that, I mean, no matter what system you're using, the fundamentals stay the same. I mean, the fundamentals have to be taught. They have to be reinforced uh, no matter what year the players are. You know, your better players are going to have them down pretty pretty well, uh, mainly seniors most likely. But uh, the fundamentals need to be one of the bedrocks of any system that's used uh, by any coach. You know, um... In reading your book, I found it to be absolutely outstanding for describing the kind of technical skills that a player needs uh, in order to participate as an effective member of a winning team. It's outstanding in terms of describing the kind of exercises and drills to teach those skills. And we could spend the rest of the day talking about those skills, but the, the big three, as you mentioned, are ball handling, shooting, and passing. But given those, what, can you describe the importance of some of the other non-technical skills that are necessary for success in the teams that you've built? Well, one of them was, uh, or is, I should say, uh, role definition. Uh, we talk about that uh, in certain parts of the book and implement it in other parts, combine it to other parts of the book. Uh, I used to tell my assistant coaches that, you know, basketball is not a democracy here. You know, it's not, it's not equal playing time, especially at the high school level. It's not, and especially at the varsity level, it's, it's not equal playing time for everyone. Kids have to compete and earn spots uh, and earn playing time. Uh, so, but you can get certain players. I had one player when I was coaching sophomores at Quigley uh, who I had, he was the technical foul shooter. <laughs> you know, because in, he would not miss free throws in practice. He was wonderful foul shooter, but he he couldn't guard anyone. You know, at practice. I mean, he was you know kind of a bigger kid, and he he, had, he was slow footed. He was smart, but you know, he he just he really couldn't play that well. But he was great to have on the team. He was very supportive 
And he had the chance of shooting technical fouls that we had throughout the season. Occasionally we got him in games, but overall, if you can find roles for kids, even for your best players, uh, I think it helps their confidence level. Uh, I think it's things they can, it's something they can take pride in. Uh, Mac talked about the football player before who, you know, you'd love to see as a rebounder on your team. Uh, you know, just something like that, something as important as rebounding is to the outcome of games. Uh, I, I think explaining to every player, and I tried to do that every year, uh, here's the role that we see you to try to fulfill. And we would have dialogue about that, but overall, that was their role. And it made for great conversations as the season went on, because I had the habit of meeting with all my players at least once a week or once every other week to talk about grades, uh, you know, whatever else they wanted to talk about, how they were doing at practice, what was their effort level, uh, how are you fulfilling your role on the team? And those are very helpful conversations. And I think role definitions are important for a team. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about a, necessarily a non-technical skill, um, communication is probably the biggest one. Uh, getting, getting kids to talk on the court is probably one of the hardest things. Uh, I think Coach Sully sent this drill along too. Sullivan sent <laughs> drill along to Tom and I where he does a drill where he doesn't allow the players to talk can't say anything and they're banging into one another and getting <laughs> and it and, and it, it takes it to the other extreme um but getting kids to communicate and we would go so far i had a i had a great assistant for a number of years his name was bruce hildebrand um and uh academically uh, he was just uh, on top of everything with the kids he was so valuable in a lot of regards but especially that one because we would tell our kids we expected you to be great communicators in the classroom too he would check on their grades, but just to, in, to just check with their teachers and say, does he just sit there passively present in class or is he actually contributing to your class in a positive way? Um, so again, that's another life experience to take me on the court. It relates to basketball, but it relates to other things too. But, but getting kids to communicate, especially on the defensive end. Um, and, and then what the beautiful thing is out of communication comes trust. And then the communication almost becomes instinctive. You start to you start to know what the other person's thinking out there, and that's when you really got something. When when the when the communication becomes more than just just the audio communication, um, that's what you try to build to in your program. That kids that, take that, with them when they play basketball, and, and that trust is uh, evidence of a, a player driven program. You know, it, it really is. You know, speaking of program, I thought you both were very clever in your book where you use the acronym program uh, to stand for having each letter stand for something. And, and the way it's written, we could spend the whole week talking about each one of these. But for example, P stands for preparation, R for resilience, O for offseason, G for guts, R for rebounding, A for attentiveness, M for mentality. That is a wonderful way to organize this and have people remember it. But can you, uh, can you describe uh, or summarize some of the most important things of those particular uh, categories? Sure. Uh, yeah, you know, every book needs a structure. And Mac and I, you know, we were going back and forth about, you know, we, we kept going back to the word program and we finally came up with this. And I'm sure coaches could look at these letters and say, 
you know, well, preparation, that's fine. I like poise, right? You know, I like something else. And that's, that's fine. These were just ours. Uh, preparation is about a third of the book, though. And it covers so many facets for uh, what a coach needs to do to have a successful and continuously successful uh, program. Uh, it covers things such as, you know, the parts of a season, you know, the role of coaches, roles. I mean, it, it covers all kinds of things. Um, and I think preparation is paramount to what Coach John Wooden said one time when he said the will to win is insignificant unless the will to prepare to win is greater. Mm -hmm. And preparation, I like it being first because to me it sets the tone for the book and uh, without it, you know, the other six uh, letters don't mean as much. Well, the second one was uh, resilience, and um, that applies to a lot of things in life. But before I, I get into that, um, you know, when we, we talk about these seven these seven chapters, each one of these could be a book unto itself. I mean, yeah, we just for sure. touch on some of the basics, and uh, hopefully that will lead to food uh, for thought in the future. But, you know, in resilience, we already talked about that just a little bit earlier on, but it's... Uh, it's everything people do in life, uh, whether they're working with dealing with their family, a job, um, uh, accepting a role on a team, but yet not losing that that desire to, you know, to be more uh, teaches problem solving. You know, it, it really it, resilience teaches kids how to hit the curveball. <laughs> All of us <laughs> how to hit the curveball. They're going to come at you. OK. Yeah. And um, and what's next after after that curveball comes at you? Um so, you know, and losing does not have to always be the enemy. There's a lot that can be taken from a loss if you look at it the right way. And winning is not always an ally if it starts to make you entitled. You know, so we're kind of, when we talk about resilience, we talk about those kinds of things about, um, it's not always the final score that's the determining factor. Uh, you know, it's more, it's more what you put into it. And it's not so much what happens to you, but how you react to what happens to you. And uh, that's the whole chapter on resilience. Mm -hmm. The O stands for off-season, and uh, boy, this is, a, this is a chapter both for players and coaches, you know, and as a matter of fact, we think the book has plenty of food for thought for not just coaches, but for parents, players, uh, leaders. Uh, we think there's a lot in it for that, especially when you get into the areas of mentality, resilience, attentiveness. Uh, those things are really applicable to a, a ton of areas. But going back to off-season, uh, we have a number of individual workouts in there. And as Pat Sullivan once said, you know, the off-season belongs to the players. The regular season belongs to the coaches. Uh, so off-season is such a beautiful time for players because they can, if, if their dedication is there and uh, I always felt that dedication is far more important than ability. I mean, you can, you can really see what kids really want, who really want to be part of a basketball, pro of your basketball program by how much work they put in, in the off season. And we would have players, you know, uh, fill out charts, have certain goals to attain, 
Uh, Mac had a beautiful system at Conan uh, with his green light shirts and things like that, where players would have to shoot certain amounts of shots. But the point really I'd like to make finally about offseason two is that it's, it's not the amount of time, it's efficient use of time. You know, I, I'm training players now and I had two earlier this morning and I really emphasize to them, we want to just get the most out of every minute in our hour uh, instead of being here two hours and not accomplishing as much. Mm -hmm. uh, the next chapter was uh, what Tom loves to like to refer to as guts and we went with that one. It's all about defense. <laughs> all about defense. Or, uh, Love it. Your, your rock, your base, uh, what you come back to, you know, about the, the team, the entire program, and life in general. Uh, another great life lesson, D, you know, defense starts with communication and trust. That's where it starts. And that's what you get back to. And there's a, you know, there's a saying, I, I, we use a lot of sayings in the book, but one of the ones is, you know, defense goes on the road. Offense doesn't always travel. In other words, night in and night out, you want to be able to count on your defense. And some great examples of that uh, most recently would be uh, the Virginia team with Tony Bennett and the defense that was invented by his father. Uh, and uh, the, the, the uh, Bo Ryan's teams at Wisconsin that were built on, uh, built on defense and, and, and execution and that type of thing. And um, so Def the, the defensive that, uh, drills that we have in the book, uh, and it talks about different different steps that you take. Like, in other words, we present a certain type of, if, if you were presented with a certain type of defense, what offense would you try to match it with and vice versa? We tried to put in several different scenarios, just about as many as we could think of, although they're infinite. We couldn't think of all of them, but we try to put a lot of those in there for people to contemplate. So you can kind of, again, pick, pick and choose your own style. But at the end of the day, it all comes back to, okay, not at all are you, are you only wi uh, willing to defend, but are you able to defend? So we talk about both the willingness and what leads to the ability to get it done on the defensive end. Mm -hmm. The next chapter is uh, the R for rebounding. Uh, we've all seen the Wizard of Oz, right? <laughs> and we know that what uh, the three amigos, you know, the scarecrow and the tin man and the lion were all looking for from, from the master Oz. Uh, those are the three things that rebounders need. They need a brain, they need a heart, and they need courage. I think, and we know that rebounding, all coaches know that rebounding is the heart of defense. I mean, the other night, Phoenix against the Bucks. Uh, not last night, but the game in Phoenix when the Bucks won game five, Phoenix shot over 70% from the three-point line and lost. And they lost because they got out-rebounded badly and they turned the ball over too much. So rebounding is really the heart of any good defense. It's the finishing play of a good defensive possession. It can start good offense. Uh, and a good rebounder, especially an offensive rebounder, is really invaluable to a team. Uh, so rebounding needs, we have good drills in the chapter for rebounding. Uh, 
but it is something that coaches not only should teach, but need to emphasize every day. And then uh, attentiveness uh, speaks to the, the, the validity uh, of what you do and the importance of what you do. Uh, and having someone's attention, okay, real attention just goes a long ways towards developing everything throughout your whole program. Uh, in the very title, Victories in the Details, the word detail applies attentiveness to, to doing the little things first and not putting the cart before the horse, so to speak. Um, and the lessons that, that are learned on the court, they can be applied to all aspects of life. Uh, you know, in basketball, uh, one of the big advantages and one of the big advantages for a basketball coach is um, you, you you not only have a captive audience, the audience wants to be there. <laughs> That's not always the case in the classroom. <laughs> I, think all, I think we can all think back to some classes we had. It's like, oh my Lord, am I going to get through this thing? And then that, and then the teacher was either really good at, 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 at getting kids bought in or, or not necessarily, but on the basketball court, there aren't many there that don't want to be there. So you, you have that, you already have that part of their attention. Okay. But, but, how far are they willing to take it? Okay, are they are they are they willing to get out of their comfort level? Okay, to, to strive for more and more. And as soon as they reach one level, are they ready to take it to the next level? And that attentiveness, to, attention to detail, uh, is what leads to building, having success, and then being able to move on to the next step. And when the next step starts to falter you have something to fall back on because you've paid attention to the details along the way so uh attentiveness is not a very long chapter but it's a really important chapter which also which also plays in a lot to life after basketball oh i should say yeah, yeah. the last chapter is uh mentality and uh i, I we both kind of liked it being last uh and maybe this is just how the book fell into place but uh, it gives so much to think about uh, in this chapter. Uh, I was a, uh, a senior uh, in high school at Quigley Seminary North, and uh, I was fortunate enough to make uh, all area for the Sun-Times. And Ray Meyer, the wonderful DePaul coach, Max Alma Mater, by the way, Ray was the guest speaker, and it was at the Como Inn in Chicago on Milwaukee Avenue. And I got the chance to talk to Coach Meyer after individually with my mom and dad. And uh, he said something to me I never forgot as a person or as a coach. And he said, Tom, you're either getting better or getting worse. You never stay the same. <laughs> and I just, those words just they stay with me like I just heard them yesterday. Um, and I think that's really one of the bases for uh, this chapter. Uh, we talk a lot about the collective mindset for growth. That's how we define mentality. And we stress collective because you're a, on a team concept. And we stress mindset because you're working on your mind. Uh, uh, I've asked these players I've trained, uh, what's the most powerful part of your body? And a couple of them tell me, well, my legs or my, you know, we finally get to the point, no, it's your brain. Your brain is the most powerful part of your body because it can determine your level of success or failure. 
so in this chapter, though, we talk a lot about what ifs. We give a lot of scenarios. We give a reading list for players and coaches. Uh, we talk a, a great deal. We give 10 ideas that Sam Walton gave through uh, Walmart. Uh, we give a lot of ideas on how to achieve that collective mindset for growth. We think it's a really good chapter for any walk of life. Well, I can tell you, uh, I agree with you. And I also think the, the splitting up the content of your book in, into uh, those chapters and using the acronym of program is probably one of the reasons why all these uh, coaches from around the country who've endorsed your book uh, have said that it not only has great content, but, it, uh, but it's easy to read and easy to remember. One of the things that I really liked about, about the book is that in each chapter and periodically, you'd have some reflections. You would reflect back on your own experience. And I, I particularly enjoyed those. It, it seemed like uh, when I was reading those, I kind of got to know you. And, uh, and I, I really appreciate that. That, that, that kind of breaks the continuity a little bit of the instruction, but it really makes it personal. You know, and toward the end, you write about the higher purpose of the game. So when you, when you do talk about the higher purpose, what is that? What does that mean? Well, that's, that could go in several different directions, Charlie, but the higher purpose, I, we talk about uh, giving back and paying it forward. Um, we all had somebody in our lives that made it possible for us to do the things that we did. None of us made it alone. Uh, and that's why I think so many of us in our later years look back with fond memories of some people in our, some coach in particular. A lot of times it's a coach that meant everything uh, outside of our parents. Um, and uh, at, at that point, uh, do you sit on the sidelines or you, do, you, do you give it back somehow? And um, we've had a lot of former players that have gone on to become coaches and that's very gratifying, but we've also had a lot of former players that have gone on to become great parents or great educators or uh, great in whatever field or excellent in whatever field they've gone into. And it, it's pretty gratifying when they come back and say, you know, coach, that day you were made this. I had one player came back just the other day that I ran into at my granddaughter's softball game. And he goes, coach, I hated playing for you. And you were the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you that uh, the two of you are really as a team, extraordinarily successful. And you've demonstrated that in your coaching careers. And you've also demonstrated that in this book that you've written, uh, which I would recommend for any, any, any coach or any program that wants to develop a basketball program. It makes a lot of, makes a lot of sense. And, so, and it's written by people who know what they're talking about. I understand also that uh, both of you as a team um, are either currently doing seminars and in-person or online seminars. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? I know I, for one, would certainly hire you in a second. Well, when are you going to hire us, Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> whenever, I, whenever I become a superintendent. Yeah. Well, thanks, Charlie. Appreciate that. We're, you know, COVID really put a damper on it. I mean, we wrote the book during quarantine. It took us about eight, nine months to really put it together and, and finally get it published. Uh, we're hoping that by getting the word out here that, uh, you know, I think Tom and I would make a great uh, tag team at uh, any clinic or conference that deals with, 
the mentality behind competing, uh, basketball coaching, of course, uh, leadership. Uh, we're hoping to get out soon. I mean, I think we could be as good a tag team as Hulk Hogan and Randy Macho Man Savage from WWF Wrestling, which takes me back a little bit. But um, <laughs> I just think uh, we have a lot to offer. Uh, in any event, uh, the book has a lot to offer in case you, you know, you don't want, uh, you don't want us to appear individually, but we're, or as a team, but we have put out an, uh, to a number of states and Matt can maybe uh, elaborate about it a little bit better than I can, because I know we've heard from states who want us to come out and we're just trying to wait maybe for COVID to die down a little bit more, maybe get into the fall and then maybe do a little bit of traveling and getting to clinics and things like that. Mac, what were some of the states that you had for? Well, in, in, in some of the, the, the publicity that we've done, we've, we've had contacts from places like uh, Vermont and Tennessee and Texas. And there was actually one from Luxembourg, <laughs> which, would be, which would be great fun. And uh, of course, our wives would definitely want to be in on that one. But, yeah. which would I be just great. want to say it's, it's not Luxembourg, Wisconsin. That's only about 20 <laughs> minutes from my house. It's over the big pond. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but above and beyond just reaching out to do that with Tom, which Tom and I would love to do, uh, uh, we think there's also, and it's not just an audience for high schools. We think there's a great audience there for, for, for anyone in basketball or even beyond basketball. Maybe some people that, that, that would like us to speak about some of the, to their corporation or their company about, you know, some of the, some of the team building activities or, or that type of thing that we use. Um, but in, in basketball specifically, yeah, we think it could relate to grammar school, high school, college coaches, AAU. I mean, there's uh, the, the, the basic bedrock principles that are in there are, are really for are not just for a certain group. They're for they're for everybody that, that might be interested in along those lines. We'd like to learn a little bit from them, too. I mean, you never stop learning. So. You got it, and you'd make a terrific tag team. Uh, now, at the end, you you had a poem, and if you if you don't mind, I'll read it and then ask you uh, what's the lesson in this poem. And the poem is, "When my days of hoops are done, I wish I might have one more run, a run that takes me from my stop to help others reach the top." What does that mean to you? What's the lesson from that? Well, to me, it's kind of twofold. One is, as you look back on your career, I think there's always there are always things that you wish you had done a little bit better, uh, maybe a little bit differently. Um, you don't have those opportunities. They're gone, of course. They're part of your history. But it also tells me, especially the last two lines, the run that takes me from my stop to help others reach the top, that coach, coaching is something, especially for the thoroughbreds, I mean, coaching is something that really never leaves you. And you, you take from coaching the willingness and ability to help others. I mean, coaching is service. And I think with that service, you're taking that and you're still trying to help others reach the top. I mean, Tom's got grandkids. I've got three now and I'm tutoring players here at local schools. And 
you know, I still have the drive to help kids, you know, and as Tom mentioned before, if we get the opportunity to help organizations or help other coaches, we would love that opportunity. You know, uh, coaching is such a, a beautiful fraternity. Um, you know, th this idea is not unique to Tom and my about, about giving back or that type of thing, but the clinics and coaches are, coaches are so willing to share. You would think there would be a lot of guarded secrets out there, but there aren't. Coaches are so willing to help out and share, mm -hmm. which yeah. is really cool. And I, I remember one time, one, one of my big idols was John Chaney, the old temple coach. Uh, that was that reached out and did that with me one time and 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 we did some of the things that that that, that he did one of which was practicing in the morning and and uh, it's interesting I ran into him 20 years later didn't even think he would remember who I was and the first thing he did when he saw me he says Tom how you doing how's those morning practices going so uh, just just those types of things where um, uh, just continuing with that that fraternity to get out there and and help people with things that have questions because we know there are a lot of them out there. We were two of them at one point. <laughs> That's right. Well, this has been delightful uh, hearing from you. And I, I want to thank you so much, uh, Coach Tom and Coach Tom. That's Coach Tom Anstead and Coach Tom McCormick for being our guests here today on It's All About Skills. And I want to remind those who are listening that the book is called Victory in the De Victory is in the Details building a basketball pro program and it goes a long way beyond just building a basketball program it's an excellent book so thank you both for being our guest now as for me i'm an internationally certified career coach and i specialize in career management skill development career crises and in positive intelligence and you can get in touch with me through my website charliejetcoaching.com so thank you all for listening today and we'll see you next time as we discuss the critical skills on It's All About Skills. Thank you for listening to this episode of All About Skills. To learn more information about the critical skills, be sure to visit itsallaboutskills.com for access to resources like blogs, field studies, published books, and more about how to learn, how to use, and how to teach this important content. That's exclusively available on itsallaboutskills.com. We look forward to having you join us on the next episode so we can continue to help you learn, master, and excel by using critical skills right here on All About Skills.